for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, daylight burners. Happy Monday. I hope the week has been treating you well. And, uh, you know, I I hope the weather's... uh, It sounds like some some folks uh, back in the Midwest may be getting a little bit of rain. That's good to hear. Uh, We haven't got much, but... One day closer. One day closer. Um, I am trying to rearrange my studio to get a get stuff a little better, a little bit better. I'm always trying to tinker around with this shit, and then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, setup. I don't hate it, but I don't like it, and uh, I don't probably change it. But we'll see. But anyhow, it was getting late and I needed to record something. So um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, uh, as you know, history guy. And uh, history rhymes is a you know pretty f- profound quote that I, uh, that I have stumbled across, uh, often uh, attributed to Mark Twain. Um, history... Uh, doesn't repeat itself, but it surely rhymes or it, or it often rhymes. One of those, I don't, I don't know the, the direct quote, but, and the last one that I did, I remember, if I remember right, is when I, I compared Ukraine and uh, Ireland, uh, Russia being like Great Britain and um, Ireland being like Ukraine. And uh, in particular, this Don Bastille. But anyway, that's kind of neither here nor there. Um, Ukraine, Ukraine's an awful fucking significant country all of a sudden, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> but anyhow, we've got um, a couple of the, of events that are um, pretty significant. Um couple of them anniversaries and one getting ready to start and uh, I'm going to try to tie them all together and, and so there's three three things that I'm kind of I'm looking at and Nixon and Watergate and I've got Trump on the January 6th uh, storming of the Capitol and then I've got Marvin Hemeyer and the Killdozer do they all relate? Not exactly, but I'm going to try to tie them in together as best as I can because, like I said, history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And um, and it was just the anniversary of uh, the Killdozer attacks or uh, whatever you want to call 
that whole deal, but we'll we'll get into that here down the road. So first and foremost, we'll go in chronological order and um I'll see if I can't tie them all in together. Um we are coming up on the fiftieth anniversary <coughs> of the Watergate um scandal. And so That'll be on June seventeenth. Be fifty years. So Saturday, June seventeenth, nineteen seventy-two, in the Water Watergate complex, uh, a bunch of men, goons, really, um, either CIA or or directly working for the White House. Um, G. Gordon Liddy being kind of the um, linchpin behind it all. Uh, he was the financial uh, finance counsel for the committee, the uh, committee for the reelection of the president. And uh, they broke into the Watergate complex, and they were trying to steal some documents uh, from there. This complex was also housing the uh, Democratic National Committee offices, so that's where they broke into. Trying to steal some stuff that got caught. Um, Nixon later went on to win the presidency in 19, <clears throat> um, 1972. And we, uh, but among all of this, we have a bunch of uh, investigations and uh, media attention and turmoil, and we still have the the Vietnam War going on, and it's a it's a great great big scandal, and um, kind of the the thing that really really set in motion was uh, kind of typically how anything of, of real significance gets um, gets investigated is it was against a political opponent. If it had it been against a regular American, like an anti-war activist, probably wouldn't have gathered nearly as much attention. But the fact that they were spying and stealing and uh, sabotaging the uh, Democratic uh, presidential campaign uh, and primaries... um, particularly Ed Muskie, I believe was his name, um, Muskie, um, something Muskie, I forget, um, but he was, uh, kind of considered the Democrats' best, uh, what would you call it, the best candidate, I guess, the most electable, because even back then, that, that was a thing, electability, and, um, (laughs) <laughs> it was actually really entertaining hearing some of the stuff like they they infiltrated the the democratic cam- democratic campaign uh and they were constantly like um like they would the the candidates and uh you know Muskie and and his staff and everybody they would set their shoes outside their hotel doors in the morning so they could get them shined and then these uh, operatives for the Nixon uh, administration would come in and like steal all their shoes and put them in a bus locker across town or something like that. And so like the, the campaign was constantly uh, running behind 
and it looked like it was in a state of turmoil and so much so like caused the dude to start crying during one of the one of his uh rallies or speeches or something one of his campaign stops and um ah, as as i say before if you look at it and through the eyes of just sheer comedy it's pretty goddamn funny <laughs> like i don't i don't know how much they would get away with that today um I don't know. Uh, like the more the more and more stuff, uh, say like Project Veritas comes out with like those hidden camera um, investigative, kind of Gonzo journalism as well. But um, I don't know. I'm not real sure where I stand on on the the Project Veritas. I think they do some good stuff at times, but mm, how they get their get their stuff just seems kind of kind of shitty. Uh, so I, I'm kind of, I'm open, open to, uh, to debate on that. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not real, real sure how I feel, feel about them. But anyways, um, I'm not sure where I was even headed with that. Um, anyhow, this, this whole deal, um, starts a, uh, the Senate, um, votes unanimously to uh to create a uh a select committee or special committee so i think it was select committee and investigate this whole deal that all uh led to a huge legal fight between the senate and the the executive branch um with nixon claiming executive uh immunity and uh later led to the uncovering of the the Nixon tapes. Um Nixon was a paranoid motherfucker. Uh but it's easy for us to say that now. When you look at at where he was and kind of got to figure out his mindset. We're fighting uh and we're fighting the Russians and as I've said before the the Russians are always always the best villains. Um, we've been fighting proxy war or particularly a, this is huge proxy war, but we, we fought one against uh, the Koreans as well against Russia via the Koreans. Um, and then we're embroiled in this, um, this really long, bloody, incredibly unpopular war in Vietnam. And, uh, Nixon got elected for, <clears throat> getting us out of it and what did he do he stepped up uh bombing campaigns and expanded it kept it going kept it going kept it going and um in the meantime he's trying to put down the anti-war movement uh and it's the height of the cia shenanigans i mean this you know the cia shenanigans from post-World War II, directly post-World War II leading up to 1972 have led to this Watergate deal. And one of the big mistakes that um, that, mix, that Nixon had on his hand or one of the big um, snafus, mistakes, um, miscalculations, however you want to call it, was that the FBI started um, investigating this and <clears throat> Nixon had had maintained that he knew nothing of the the Watergate break in all that plan, and 
Oh yeah, that's where we had the the recording devices. That circling back to the Project Veritas deal. Um, but anyway, Nixon, being the paranoid motherfucker that he was, had recording devices that were all voice activated in different rooms around the White House, and in particular the Oval Office, and recorded everything. Got hours and hours and hours of of tapes, and he refused to hand them over. Eventually went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that he had to hand him over. At first, they, uh, he wasn't going to allow his uh, any of his aides to testify. If it's sounding kind of familiar, we're getting to that. Um, but then, Supreme Court ruled you have to turn it over. Executive privilege doesn't does isn't you know doesn't mean you just get to not. Uh, not turn over anything you know you can't just withhold everything and call it executive privilege and so they ruled they had to take it over and then we uh we come across the smoking gun uh as they call it so we'll uh pop this up on the screen and uh yeah so this is history.com this is nixon's smoking gun Make sure I got my, my audio correct. I don't know how long this little video is. Here we are. That's fine. Uh, on the investigation, you know, the Democratic break-in thing, we're back to in the, the problem area because the FBI is not under control because Greg is exactly not under control. And they have their investigation is now leading into some productive areas because they've been able to trace the money, not through the money itself, but through the bank you know, sources, the banker. So, and, and it goes some directions we want to go. Uh, also, there have been some things like an informant came in off the street to the FBI in Miami with uh, a photographer who has a friend who's a photographer who develops films for this guy. And the films had uh, pictures of Democratic National Committee letterhead documents. But so he's got, there's things like that that are, gonna, that are filtering in. Mitchell came up with yesterday, and John Dean analyzed very carefully last night and concludes, concurs now with Mitchell's recommendation that the only way to solve this, and we're set up beautifully to do it, uh, in that the only network that paid any attention to last night was NBC, who did a massive story on the Cuban thing that the way to handle this now is for us to have Walters call Pat Gray and just say, stay the hell out of this. This is a business here. We don't want you going any further on. That's not an unusual development. And uh, that would take care of Pat Gray. Pat does want to. He doesn't know how to, and he doesn't have. He doesn't have any basis for doing. Given this, he will then have the basis. He'll call Mark Feldman in, and the two of them. And Mark Feldman wants to cooperate because he's ambitious. Uh, they'll call them in and say, "We've, we've got a signal across the river to, to put the hold on this," and that'll fit rather well because the FBI agents who are working the case at this point feel that's what it is. All right. So 
basically all that that was was definitive proof that Nexon knew uh, about the Watergate break-in and thus also um, knew about the cover-up and, in fact, participated in the cover-up. Pretty aptly named the smoking gun uh, recording. Um, It was uh, after this was released during the... But what was another really um, <coughs> unique thing and really parallels a lot with with Nixon and Trump is Nixon um, not only had disdain for the media, but actually truly hated him. Uh, he, he just despised the press. <coughs> and um, but it was Cold War times like they uh, and he was a Cold War president. He was uh, he was just a. Uh, a product of those times, which doesn't make him right. He was still a real, real piece of shit, but, um, possibly the most disastrous president of, uh, the 20th century. Um, I would say my lifetime, but I wasn't born in 1971 when he took us off the gold standard, um, and, and kept us on this, uh, petrodollar deal that we've got going on now. But, um, <laughs> that's a discussion for another time. Uh, but he he hated the hated the media and and he was very paranoid uh you know you're coming off of the like the red scare in the 50s and and the mccarthy trials and uh which really left a bad taste in uh an american you know american people's uh mouths and <clears throat> but uh the media led by uh the washington post and uh <clears throat> Woodward and Bernstein. So Carl Bernstein, uh, Bob Woodward, and their source called Deep Throat, who was mentioned in that that smoking gun Mark Felt, um, begin uh, rolling out this story. Um, And this was just on the heels of the release of the Pentagon Papers, which uh, was a secret report of the Vietnam uh, that showed how the war was actually going and how it wasn't, uh, looked like there was no end in sight. And and how much the government had just lied about <clears throat> the <clears throat> the war in Vietnam since the very beginning, and um, Nixon, of course, tried to stifle that. Uh, came after uh, Daniel Ellsberg, who was the he was a a top uh, DOD guy that um, that released uh, the Pentagon Papers. So you got. You just got the height of tomfoolery from from the CIA and the war, the the entire war machine <clears throat> going on. I mean, whether whether it was CIA and uh, and the and the Air Force in particular, but the military, which also had all these these contractors and the revolving door of lobbyists and uh, and uh, corporate America, and <clears throat> it was very much. Um, akin to to nazi germany minus uh the eugenics to a lesser degree there was still some some real shady shit that went on uh along that way but just the the total like marriage of big business and and big government where the the government didn't want to run the business because they they realized they couldn't uh they couldn't run it effectively they knew that the the private sector could do that but they also <clears throat> it also led to monopoly uh you know industries and and whatnot but also um 
<clears throat> just some of the <clears throat> like blatant disregard for life that uh <clears throat> that was also embedded in the um, you know in the in the the third Reich Nazi Germany was also I mean we we stole a bunch of that shit from from the Nazis to to make our economy uh, boom like theirs had and <clears throat> and and to make all these um to expand on all the the technological advances they had made over over the course of uh, the Third Reich and you know it was it was a it was a weird period in time um but anyway that that all was sparked off. No, June 17th, 1972, the break into the Watergate compound. So that's coming up. And, and one of the the big like achievements of, of this was like the putting public trust back in, uh, congressional hearings. And they televised these, uh, these hearings on PBS, uh, during primetime hours and PBS got higher ratings than your, 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 you know, popular shows of the day on, on your three big networks, which is really all you had. I think, I don't know if cable TV was quite a thing just then, but essentially you had ABC, CBS, and NBC, and and then you had the public broadcasting. So PB, <clears throat> PBS and, and PBS was pulling numbers that, uh, you know, that the, the big, big three networks were, were pulling, uh, just watching these hearings and, uh, and, you know, interviewing um or you know how what do you call um you know you had uh presidential aides testifying under oath and and you had uh you know his aides testifying how that that nixon did know and just really really um really made him look look bad and and uh and exposed a lot of a lot of shady shit, and the more you, you look into it, and the the Republican Party helped uh, in that quite a bit. Um, you know, like Goldwater was kind of the the moment that <clears throat> that kind of swung it towards um, Nixon accepting defeat and and resigning. Um, well, you look at who who came after Nixon, you know. Uh, Gerald Ford replaced him. He gets beat by Jimmy Carter. And then here comes Reagan and Reagan was, was Goldwater's boy. So, and I, I, I didn't look into it too much, but if I remember right, I believe that Nixon and Goldwater were not, um, not all that, that friendly. If I remember right, Nixon, uh, <clears throat> Nixon was running, uh, in the primary against Goldwater, Goldwater won, and then Goldwater got blown the fuck out in the in the general election, if I remember right. And I, so I think there was bad blood there. Um, H. W. Bush was was uh, jockeying for power. He uh, he had a big hand in in and uh, how it all played out, and it was just uh, a lot of Game of Thrones type shit. Um, yeah. So anyway. Um, 50, 50 year anniversary coming up. And, um, I said, we we're going to go in chronological order, but this all leads into these hearings that we've got coming up. And actually I'm kind of excited to see what the fuck these idiots have been doing, uh, since, uh, whenever it was last year sometime that, uh, they formed this, uh, select committee to, uh, investigate January 6th. And, 
the insurrection to end all insurrections or something. Um, January 6th attack. So Donald Trump is center stage here, just like Nixon was center stage at the Watergate deal. <coughs> However, the main difference being is uh, Donald Trump didn't win the election. Nixon did. And they both, well, and then Nixon didn't get impeached, but Donald Trump did again. Um, I was, I was asking my wife the other day, like how many times that you, she thought they were going to impeach Donald Trump. Should he get elected again? Which pretty good chance he will. If, if he runs, I don't know how good of a thing that would be. Um, <clears throat> And I don't know who who else, yeah, yeah. who else the Democrats would would throw. But that that's a discussion for for later. But anyhow, you have the shit show of all shit shows that was the Donald Trump presidency. And I'm not saying that to to demean Trump. I'm not. Just, I'm just stating facts. I get those four years were an absolute fucking shit show. And um, it was uh, a lot of blame to be thrown around there. A lot of blame. And um, we won't get into a whole lot of it. But the big thing that um, that started uh, started out well, even before the Trump presidency began, when President-elect Trump um, was spied on by the FBI um, in accordance with the Obama administration and um, all led into this this false came claim that um, essentially Donald Trump was uh, colluding with Vladimir Putin to uh, sway the 2016 election um, tied up his presidency for three years and uh, eventually he gets he gets impeached for holding up an arms deal to Ukraine, uh, asking um, the current hero of the world, um, Vladimir Zelensky, president of Ukraine, to investigate Hunter Biden, um, <clears throat> who has some very sketchy business dealings in Ukraine, um, particularly in fields of business that he has no experience or, or business being involved in. Um Anyway, basic, uh, basic peddling influence for, for cash, uh, type deal, uh, at the time, um, Joe Biden's vice president of the United States and, um, Hunter's getting cash from all over the world. But, uh, Ukraine in particular is, is kind of a sticking point being that it's, uh, kind of the last little buffer zone between Europe and, and Russia, and uh been hotly contested forever that's a whole whole thing we're still still going through that um sure the russians are going to lose that war any day now um counting on it so maybe we'll get paid for all those weapons that we we send them maybe um anyhow um i would say that's a story for another day but it all it all leads in all kind of has to do to do like Ukraine's a, apparently a very touchy subject in, in Washington, D.C. Um, 
lot of lot of opinions to be to be had on on all sides of that deal um and <clears throat> anyhow donald trump trump gets impeached uh the pandemic hits um he gets continually hammered in the media his uh <clears throat> he doesn't help his cause a whole lot he continues to say a bunch of crazy shit um he he speaks off the cuff a lot during the middle of the pandemic anyway um democratic forces in play um you know big uh big cooperation between uh democratic uh members of congress democratic uh officials uh deep state officials big tech officials um Anyway, big giant apparatus. Uh, you can read about it, all about it in a uh, in a Times Magazine article from back in I don't remember if it was late twenty twenty or early twenty twenty one. Anyhow, I'll uh, maybe I'll try to put a link in the notes. <clears throat> but told how it did, how they did it. Uh, Donald Trump raises. Uh, Raise or well, he he goes ahead and does what the Democrats said their biggest fear uh, was, and he he doesn't he doesn't go out without a fight, and he he calls he calls shenanigans uh, repeatedly, um, claims of election fraud, um, stolen election, um, and gets he gets uh, increasingly gets censored from. Uh, on social media and uh <clears throat> he gets more and more vilified in the press causing him to hate the press even more than he already does um it all boils down to this January 6th certifying of the ballots and they've honed in on this moment as like his last ditch effort cuz he's he's lost lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit it's went all the way to the Supreme Court and they refused to take it and um so they, they hone in on this uh, certifying of the ballots deal on January 6th, um, which is in the Constitution, and and their hope swings on Mike Pence being the the one guy who can stop it. He can he can uh, call he can send the the slate of electors back to the states and. Uh, tell them to send us a new slate of electors, figure out your shit and send, send back and whatever the, the grand plan. And then I think that's when Trump would ascend to the right hand of God, writing a uh, Russian attack dolphin just ascends. I don't know if he has a trident, maybe he has a, like a three barreled, uh, AR 15 and, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm, that one was just right off the top of my head. Didn't work on that one at all. So I'll I'll uh, I'll, I'll work on that image of, of Trump ascending to the right hand of God. Um, probably could make some money off that shirt, honestly. Um, anyhow, <clears throat> it all boils down to January sixth, and he's calling for this big rally. Um, as you know, he gives his big speech, fiery speech. Um, but then he also says protest peacefully. We're going to march peacefully and patriotically or whatever. Um, shit pops off. Um, 
bunch of dummies run into the Capitol, tear some shit up. Uh, a bunch of old folks uh, get ushered into the Capitol and take a bunch of pictures. Uh, some dude uh, takes a picture in Nancy Pelosi's chair. I'm sure he farted in that thing. Um, had to have. Like, I, I wonder... See, and, and this all boils down to whether or not January 6th is uh, legally considered an insurrection. If so, then um, the case being made by this January 6th commission is that Donald Trump should be barred from running for public office again because he engaged in an insurrection against the United States of the uh, government of the United States federal government. And Therefore, um, not allowing him to win the presidency yet again because he will not be allowed on the ballot, <clears throat> which would be something. I don't. I don't know what would happen with, from from there. I don't care to speculate right now because uh, we got more stuff to get into. <clears throat> but anyway, the. The January 6th commission is finally uh, looks like it's wrapping up. They've got to they've got to get their shit out there quickly because we got an election in November. Um, and so we're heading into the to uh, the stretch of the summer. And then we're going to like August. Yeah, they go into recess and then it's just full campaign season from there. So nothing will get done. The election will happen whatever happens from there, say it, it goes off without a hitch. People are pissed off. People are happy. Uh, and, um, everything continues to move forward as it should. Then you'll have another three months, uh, before the new Congress takes place for them to get anything done. And we'll see how November go shakes out. But, um, Politics is weird, man, and uh, life is weird. Life comes at you fast. So the other day it was looking like it was going to be a runaway, just slaughter in November. Still might be, and I say slaughter figuratively. Um, you know, we're talking about some hotly charged uh, political issues, and I'm not advocating for anything. I'm just saying it looked like to be a metaphorical bloodbath in uh, November. Uh, with uh, the Republicans picking up a ton of seats is what it looked like. And then we had the leak of the Roe vs. Wade thing, which was going to happen regardless, but I guess they uh, getting everybody geared up. Like it was just, uh, that, that was like training camp for, for protest season was the leak. That, that, was, uh, that was your mini cap. That was your, your OTAs. Um, and now like you're getting your you're getting your getting all legged up and uh summer's here and, and then these Supreme Court decisions are coming down the pike and, and it's just like let's get to protesting, baby. Woo! We got abortion on the on the docket, we've got gun rights on the docket, and outside of COVID, uh which I'm gonna call a one off since it was uh it was a worldwide pandemic. Um, but outside of that particular phenomenon, uh, and Trump, another, I'm going to call a one-off. Um, but outside of that for the past, you know, 
my lifetime, the two biggest wedge issues that they bring up that divides people the most are uh, abortion and gun rights. Uh, healthcare is kind of a, kind of a, I, and I won't even say it's a close third. I won't, I won't say it's real distant um, third, but uh, it's like a respectable distance back uh, in third place. Pretty clear first and second uh, on the you know gold and silver as far as wedge issues go, abortion and gun rights. So the perfect platform for the for the Democrats to run on. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. But it was it was looking it was looking really good for Republicans. Now it's looking maybe not quite so much. Um, but either way. <coughs> Republicans probably going to take the House back. Um, probably going to win the Senate, I would guess. I, I'm not real sure who is all, uh, what all states are in play, but I know I don't know that Nevada is, and I, I would bet, I would bet, not a lot, but I would bet that uh, that one of, but uh, <coughs> that the the Nevada Senate seat turns Republican. I, I would, like I said, I won't bet a lot, but I, I would bet on that. Um, the rest of the swing states, I don't fucking know. Um, Pennsylvania probably looks good for Trump, um, but I don't know. I, I'm not for Trump, but for the Republicans, I don't know. Um, so this commission's basically, especially if, if the Republicans take back the House, this, this commission's probably going to be shut down. And uh, so they got to get their stuff out. And so what they're doing now, starting Thursday, uh, I think it's 8 p.m. Eastern. So five, five Pacific, six, uh, six mountain time. These uh, this January commission is going to be televising these hearings. So I I don't know what channels they're they're going to be on, but I imagine it's like C-SPAN <coughs> and um CNN and I imagine all the major news networks will uh, will be covering it. I'll if uh, if, if it's on C-SPAN, that's what I'll, I'll watch it on because then I don't have to deal with the bullshit commentary <coughs> and the mincing of words and constant spin. Just uh, hear it play out as it plays out, and um, I'll be interested. I this this one is intriguing to me because I I don't know what went on that day. Uh, a lot of us, I don't think very many of us do, and uh, I I'm really intrigued. I, I'm I'm not a fan of executive privilege. Um, most of you know I'm not a huge fan of Donald Trump. But that being said, I'm I'm no fan of the Democratic Party. I like. I don't rip on them too much because <sighs> it should just be blatantly obvious right now, like how how awful they are. Like it doesn't doesn't need to be covered uh, ad nauseum because <sighs> it's just, it's just painfully obvious. But anyway, <clears throat> I, I voted for Trump, for Trump this time, and however, though that that deal at the Capitol. I'm I know there was some shenanigans going on with the FBI that we 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 know that for a fact. Like what those shenanigans were, I don't know, but we know they had people involved. Uh because the <coughs> I believe it was the FBI director 
um, said so under oath that or, or failed to say they didn't have anybody there one way or the other. Um, basically admitted under oath that there, there were agents there uh, involved one way or the other. I don't know how. Uh, but also, there was a bunch of dumb, dumb Trump supporters that went in and did some crazy shit. Um, now we've got a case of uh, what's being called as a act of domestic terrorism. Uh, we've got uh, what the other side says, uh, a bunch of political prisoners and a witch hunt. <clears throat> and it all culminates starting Thursday. And... Trump has been fighting to uh, and dragging his heels as much as he can to give up any information about uh, about that day. Uh, some of it has come out and has been really, um, really kind of eye opening. Not really surprising. A little bit shocking. I've noticed here lately, uh, and I've said it some, but I, I've just come to the really realization that I'm. Very rarely sh- uh, surprised anymore. Uh, often shocked by the scope of things, but very rarely surprised by by stuff. And the the amount of like access that Fox News, um, fig- you know, talking heads had to <laughs> to the Trump uh, administration was uh, pretty surprising. Like uh, it was next to a direct line to Trump. I mean, like. They had direct line to to Mark Meadows, and uh, <coughs> yeah, so that part was interesting. And also, I want to know if there is a case. Like, um, I, I'm I'm fine with this. Like, we we've already spent the money on it, so let's let's see it. Like, I don't want to I don't want to hear it through the lens of somebody else. I'm I plan on listening to the bulk of this. Uh, of these hearings and see just what the fuck actually happened and and what they have, what they say they have. And, uh, and then I also want to know if there are any rebuttals that, that, uh, that they have after this, but I'm all, I'm all in favor of it. I I think this should, uh, you know, this should happen more often. Let's, let's get stuff right out in the open. Let's see it. And, um, yeah, so I'm going to be watching along. I'll probably be boring as shit. I'll probably listen to it uh, more than than watch it. But uh, I wonder, wonder what they got. I I wonder what they got. All right, so final final stories in comparison, <clears throat> rolling in, rolling from January sixth on. Um, talked about political prisoners. This uh, QAnon shaman. If you guys remember him, he was the dude with the Viking helmet. Um, which is, I guess, not technically a Viking helmet. It's a depiction of what Americans view as a Viking helmet, but uh, I guess the the horns weren't ever on the actual Viking helmet. I don't know. Either way, he had a stupid. Uh, probably bought it at a uh, at a Goodwill or something like that. Um, had no shirt. Was all painted up like a fucking Braveheart. Um. Yeah, I think I photoshopped my my head on his um on, on his body <clears throat> in one of my Civil War diaries posts. Um but anyway, a lot of people might view him as as a patriot even though that dude uh I can't remember if he pled guilty or if he was uh found guilty. 
Um, but either way, he, uh, <coughs> he, he broke into the Capitol and what, you know, a ton of people thought that that day were, um, were patriots, uh, thought they were doing patriotic stuff. Uh, they were taking the country back, whatever that exactly meant. I'm not sure if they knew what they were doing. See, this is what I want to know. Like, did they have a legit plan for transfer of power uh, back to Trump? Or, or, or was this just like a hissy fit? Because that's kind of what it seemed to me. It was just like one last little fuck you. And then shit got crazy. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know how much planning there was, but, um, back to this, this, uh, shaman fella, he was held in uh, solitary confinement. Like a lot of these, these, uh, folks that, that got arrested were and really treated pretty badly. And, <clears throat> and you wonder like the guy was clearly insane like clearly insane and and he listened to some of his rants and yeah it was it was a lot a lot of QAnon stuff and but the guy was clearly had some some mental issues and like was that caused by the government probably not maybe you never know was he part of one of the MK Ultra deals possibly I don't know never heard I've uh, never never seen that be um, raised as a possibility, but I've also never seen that it's not. So who knows? That it could be out there. Probably not. Um, but chances are he's just a crazy guy um, with some kooky ideas that uh, uh, thought he was doing something and now is in prison, federal prison, for quite some time. Um, and that leads us into the anniversary of Marvin Hemeyer and the Killdozer up in Granberry, uh, Granberry, Colorado. Granby, not Granberry, Granby. Uh, <clears throat> this day, uh, I remember, I remember vaguely like the day, but I remember listening to this story and like kind of talking about what, so I was, I just moved up to uh, Loveland, Colorado from Walsh, from Walsh, Colorado, little tiny town, uh, graduated with 19 people, move up to Loveland, which is now just essentially a suburb of Denver. Um, but, uh, I was working construction there and staying at this house, uh, rent free and, uh, making really shit money, but Hey, I got, got free house out of it. And, uh, and I got to live on my own for for a summer before before school, before uh, college started. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm living up in uh, in Loveland, and we are commuting down to Denver to do this construction job at uh, an apartment complex. And we're on our way back for the day, and there's uh, we hear on the radio because. Uh, I, I don't remember hearing it uh during work uh in particular. I don't I don't I don't for some reason I don't I don't remember it during the work day because we always had a radio going and whatnot. <clears throat> you know, it was like it was always on a classic rock station, but 
every, you know, once an hour, you're going to get the news update and, um, you know, something like that's going to be, be on the news. So I don't think it had happened yet or, or we just, whatever, for whatever reason we didn't hear it. But on, on the way back to Fort Collins, uh, or Loveland, we, uh, we start hearing about this guy's in a tank and he's just tearing up the town of Granby. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of wild. Um, Oh, I was going to play the... We're going to come back to Marvin Hemeyer, but uh, I'm going to... I'll tell you about my, my thoughts, but I, I was just looking for for a video here, and uh, Nixon um, had, a, had a quote about um, Bohemian Grove that was really, really funny. And uh, Bohemian Grove was like this meeting of a bunch of billionaires. Uh, Alex Jones broke in uh, into it one time and and filmed it. But anyway, here is Richard Nixon's thoughts on it. Maybe. Nixon also uh, not a big fan of the gays, and um, yeah. Anyway, that that was uh, I thought that was just a, a fun little sidebar, but um, we'll find uh, find a, a, a little uh, video of the Killdozer in action because there's a uh, there's some pretty good um, there's some pretty good news footage of it. And uh, here we go. We we got we got a couple videos here. Full version. just tearing through town and the cops not able to do shit about it. They, they are throwing bombs at him. Not, not doing anything. They're shooting at him. Nothing you're going to do. He, this, so Marvin Hemeyer, the fella in this, uh, bulldozer. (laughs) Oh, oh, here it come. Is he going for the Jeep? No, nope, he's going back to the building. Look at that thing. It's a thing of beauty. That is just raw American power. God damn.
Here he is. He's he's going at it again. Still at it. Here he comes again. Over the cars. Yep. Right right over him. <laughs> oh man this uh for everybody just on audio you should uh you should go check this out on on youtube um this thing is just a monster <laughs> this guy is just wreaking havoc. <laughs> These cops are pissed and scared. They don't know what the fuck to do. All right, well, I could watch that all day. Um, and I say that because nobody was killed or injured. Uh, and Mar- Marvin, Marvin Hemeyer, he eventually uh, got himself wedged in a basement of, I think it was a Gamble's store. Um, but anyway, he... he like fell into this basement as he was trying to plow this store down uh, successfully. And he gets wedged in there. And then essentially there's no way out the way he had this thing going. Once he sealed himself in uh, that, that was it there. Well, he wasn't going to be able to open, open it back up on his own. It looked like, uh, and it was pretty apparent by the end of it that it, he had no, uh, no intention of getting out, getting out of there. So he shot himself in the head and that was the end of the killdozer. Um, after they uh, <clears throat> they went through his house and everything, um, they found a bunch of notes and uh, some recordings of himself. And he's kind of become a little bit of a folk hero over over this. And um, so this uh, pop this back up on the screen. Um, then this is from all that's interesting.com. Uh, so in the end, Hemeyer left the world believing that God had asked him to undertake his, his rampage. Perhaps the most revealing note that he left behind was this one. I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. And so there was uh, some more 
<laughs> pictures of the of the aftermath, but uh, that was the inside of this. It was a Komatsu D355A bulldozer. Uh, big, like I don't, I don't know how that compares to uh, on the Caterpillar side. So, but I would like D8 is a yeah, it's a D355A. So I don't know if that'd be like a D8 dozer, uh, you know, cat or whatever. I don't know. Either way, as you saw, it was a big fucking, big fucking dozer. And he, this, so Marvin Heemeyer was, uh, known about town, um, as just a hell of a welder and a guy that liked to snowmobile. Um, he had a muffler shop and he, he had agreed to sell. So Granby is one of those mountain towns that don't have a ton of the, like they're not a Vale, they're not Aspen, they're not Breckenridge. Um, they're more of like a redneck mountain town. <laughs> it's up, uh, I think it's up over 8,000 feet. And, and so they're, they're essentially like a working class town that also caters to tourists. So, but it's, uh, it's not a super touristy town. It just kind of like something along the way to Rocky Mountain National Parks right up there. And, um, uh, and it's closer, closer to Granby than it is to Denver. So, you know, pretty small town, about 2000 people or so. And, uh, you know, one of those small town, everybody knows everybody. And, uh, Marvin Heemeyer, he's, he's known about town. He had a girlfriend, uh, at one point, <clears throat> Uh, it's been a while since I watched the the movie. There's a movie called uh, Tread, and I believe it's on Netflix right now. Um, but it's a documentary uh, on this whole deal. And then there's a book called Killdozer, um, and I haven't read that. I'd like I, I might have to read that sometime. I've read some of the court court documents that. Uh, so, anyhow, this guy has a piece of land that he buys at auction supposedly it causes a stink between him and another guy in town that uh, was looking to buy that land because they had the, they have a concrete plant uh, right next door. And uh, anyway, Hemeyer buys this, uh, this property and supposedly that was like the beginning of his woes uh, with uh, the local government and some of the, the good old boys club um, that supposedly runs um, Granby. So he buys his property, pisses off another guy, and that that leads to this fight where he ends up he sells uh he uh, he sells part of his property to this concrete plant and uh but there's a bunch of negotiations going on and in the meantime um they they start construction on this this concrete plant on the other land that they already own permit goes through and uh and Hemeyer is uh is really upset by that because it takes uh away the access route that he uses a shortcut between his his house and his uh and his shop <coughs> and um he didn't want to spend the money to uh to have to dig to tie into the city sewer system and um there was a whole bunch of things that he wanted to do and he was just kind of a he was tired of, of red tape and bullshit. And this, this fight led on for years. And eventually 
<coughs> he ends up um, he ends up selling selling his property, and uh, he uses the money to buy that dozer, and then he starts uh, turning it into this fucking tank. Uh, as uh, said before, he was a really really good welder. Like um, that was that was really how he was known as just being a like a top notch welder. Anything he was uh, kind of a gearhead too, and like he he'd always you know, be, be souping up his, uh, his snowmobiles and, and reinforce them and whatever. And just a real, real handy guy with metal. And he, he ends up reinforcing this dozer with, uh, with armor, uh, steel plates. So two steel plates, but then he'd pour concrete in between the two. And, uh, he had it set up to where, uh, the, the engine was armored. Part of the tracks were armored um the cab was armored and uh he essentially just made himself a little tomb he had two video monitors because he couldn't see because of all the armor but he had uh cameras outside that were behind three inch bulletproof glass so he could uh he could see where the hell he was going when he when he was tearing down the town of granby and um so here here we go he he purchased the land on his, uh, that he built a shop on. And then he agreed to sell the land to a concrete company. And, um, in oh one, the city approved the construction and, uh, and the, they zoned the land right next to Hemeyer, uh, to use for that concrete plant. And that was the, that was how he had his little shortcut. So he didn't have to go around. And, um, and if I remember right, it seemed like it kind of almost made it. It doesn't seem like a, it was impossible for to, for him to get to his house uh, from from his house to his shop. But it was, I don't remember. I I it's been been long enough that I don't recall. Um. But so two years, um, <coughs> he. Uh, he he fought that thing and then he finally had enough. And that's when he started 2003 is when he started building this thing. And, uh, he, uh, he also had a couple gun ports on it. So it said, um, he aren't, he had an armor plates covering most of the cabin, the engine parts of the tracks and, uh, a video camera was mounted on the exterior for visibility covered by three inch bulletproof plastic Inside the makeshift cockpit were two monitors. Uh, there was also fans and an air conditioner to keep him cool. And then he had three gun ports, and he had a 50 caliber rifle, a, a 308 semi-automatic, and a, and a 22 rifle. And um, I think the the 22 was a pistol, actually, a uh, 22 long rifle. But uh, I believe that was a, a handgun. Um. <clears throat> he drove out the wall of his own shop uh went through the concrete plant tore up a bunch of buildings there and he went to town hall to the newspaper office uh to a former judge's widow's home a hardware store and a couple other homes and then he went to the gambles and uh and everybody that he or all the buildings that he tore up were in some way connected to his grievance with this concrete plant and the, the, the land sale, uh, two hours and seven minutes. 
<coughs> it says um, damaged uh, 13 buildings, knocking out gas services to the city hall. And the governor considered authorizing the National Guard to attack with it, Apache helitop- helicopters and an anti-tank missile. <clears throat> um, and ha- if he hadn't got stuck, then they probably that's probably what would have happened. Uh, it was over $7 million worth of damage. Um, and yeah, uh, didn't kill anybody, but there were people in a couple of those buildings in, uh, like I believe he, uh, he plowed into the library and there was a bunch of kids in there. And, but because of this, he's kind of become, uh, a little bit of a folk hero in the libertarian world. And I enjoy posting the memes, uh, because I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of people that don't like the government typically. And this one's different after, you know, because I was all kind of gung ho. thinking like, fuck, yeah, stick it to the man. And considering how he he essentially took out. Um, he took out. Buildings didn't really hurt anybody, and he took out his his anger on the people that he felt were responsible. And so it wasn't just like a, a blind rage where he just everything in sight, like, I mean, it wasn't far from that, but he, he did seem to have some sort of method to his madness. And I, I remember like thinking like, what the shit? Like, you know, I I'm here. I am, uh, less than a month. Uh, graduated from high school and I'm living on my own for the first time and here some some crazy asshole is plowing through a little mountain town with a tank and it's all over a building permit and it's like son of a bitch man um, but we didn't I didn't find out later really um, any of the details till like way later like I'm, I remember like kind of following up on the <coughs> on the news um, and then they kind of they had you know just like the little the evening news snippets about it and I I just I wasn't ever scared by that deal I was just like what the shit you know because that, that was it was less than 100 miles from where we were um, well I guess right about 100 miles from where we were working and um yeah, so I mean, it was it wasn't that far away, and uh, a small town like uh, like I'm used to, and I was like, huh, weird deal, weird deal. And then you know, they're like, ah, oh, seem guy seemed to be uh, possible mental issues, and no, uh, okay, so it was a crazy guy, weird, and and then like you read more into it, and and the guy did have some seemed to be some legitimate grievances. Um, but the more and more you delve into it and it does seem like he got boxed out quite a bit, but also he, he really quite obviously, uh, held a hell of a grudge and <clears throat> I kind of compare him to somebody like the, the QAnon shaman or even, yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a better, better case scenario or, a little better comparison than than uh, comparing him to Trump. Trump's a little different animal, um, and um, 
but I, I kind of think of this guy like the QAnon shaman. I, I bet you I would agree with quite a few things that guy has to say. Um, uh, there was a lot of things that the QAnon people had to say that I agreed with. And then they went off on in full loony world. And uh, like we, we, we diverged pretty hard, but there was a lot of stuff that I agree with them. On. I've kind of like a lot of the, the lefties. I agree with them on a lot of stuff, but then they, they go way, way too left. I, I can't, I can't follow them that far. Same way with a lot of the right wingers. Eh, I don't know if I, I want to go that far. <laughs> and, and this guy seems to be like a guy that I probably would have had a lot in common with, would have agreed with him a whole bunch. I would not have gr- agreed with him on this whole deal. If we were talking, I'd just be like, hey, Marv, I don't see... I don't see what you're trying to do here. Like, I know you're mad. I know you're pretty angry and whatnot. But I'm not real sure what you're trying to accomplish here. Like, town hall. I kind of get it. There's a lot of a lot of people in buildings like that where I think where where a lot of buildings where I have to do shit and like it's just I hate it and you're like yeah, I could see it being fun to drive a dozer through that building. However, not like Okay, Marv, like, what do you hope to accomplish by this particular action? Because I, I just, I don't, I don't see, not seeing how you benefit. And like, oh, you, you can't even get out of that thing once, once it's sealed up. Oh, oh, like, can you just go drive that thing off a cliff instead? Like, save everybody a bunch of trouble. Like, we get it. We get it. You real pissed off, but you you lost that one, man. Like it's not quite the way to handle things. And uh, and and the quote, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty profound quote. You know, it's always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. It's a quote that I one hundred percent agree with. I think that's a very apt, very fitting quote. Uh, however, I, um, I, I having a hard time reconciling the part where he became unreasonable. Like, I don't know. It's kind of a cool story. It's, it's, uh, like it leads a lot to the, the folk hero deal because nobody really got hurt. Um, However, he destroyed, just absolutely destroyed a ton of shit. And a lot of it seemed to be like the, the part that he was mad about, uh, like uh, kind of his own doing a lot of it. And uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I have a little bit of a, of a hard time getting on board with him being like full on kind of, kind of anti-hero. Uh, but it it is, uh, it is a good kind of case study into, uh, you know, even local government overreach and, you know, and, and then it just also 
another glaring example of uh, pretty apparent mental illness. Um, like this concrete plant didn't like didn't shoot his wife and his dog and then taunt him uh, over a loudspeaker. Um, you know, they, they just kind of screwed him out of some property, which I mean, I know it was his livelihood, but like, like they didn't, they didn't come kill anybody. And, uh, and these people, maybe they, it was the good old boys club that are all tied up with the, the local government. I'm, I'm sure they are. That's how it works at all levels of government. But, and I'm sure they, they work to kind of, to, to box them out. Cause that's how business works sometimes. And, <clears throat> he obviously was not happy about it. Um, however, it seems a little bit like, uh, um, not, not the, the actions of a, of a sane person. E- even somebody who's like, like losing my shit. I might punch somebody, but like, that 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 is a slow sustained process of continually losing your shit day after day enough to like where you just keep welding and pouring concrete and man you you could have taken your money and started over somewhere else or uh or used it to to fight legal battles or something but instead he built a fucking tank and uh yeah, when, when when men must do unreasonable things, there's usually to an outcome. And like that seemed like his only outcome in mind was to uh destroy shit and then shoot himself in the head. And <clears throat> I mean, that's what he did, so he accomplished that, but um I I'm having a It's a cool story. Um quite a little bit more than there than than meets the eye but at the end of the day it was uh it was a guy that really even though he might have got fucked over really went sour grapes and uh <laughs> and uh went way off the deep end but like i said it's a cool story and uh it's fun uh it's fun to watch and go back and watch those videos of him just like cruising around granby colorado just just bulldozing shit. Uh, and so therefore you're like, yeah, kind of, kind of root for him just because it made, made for some entertaining com, uh, content, but same time, uh, I would imagine, I would imagine those, those folks that he, uh, whose businesses and homes he destroyed, uh, probably didn't, probably didn't necessarily deserve that. So, yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? Shit happens. Guys are going to go crazy sometimes. Um, and in this case, luckily nobody was, nobody was hurt other than the dude himself. And yeah, pretty apparent that that's kind of how he wanted to go. So anyway, uh, rest in peace, I guess, Marvin Hemeyer. Um, one of the coolest forms of rebellion, uh, I've, uh, witnessed in my lifetime um definitely one of the most unique so uh i guess props on that and um and then also 
You took the easy route. You don't got to spend up, uh, you know, 20 years or whatever the, the Viking helmet guy got in federal prison, taking it in the ass. So <clears throat> I guess on, on that part, I would say you're a better folk hero than the QAnon guy. Cause, uh, that guy's just going to get less interesting over time as he, <laughs> as he sits in jail or prison, not jail, prison. Um, so, uh, I guess, um, yeah, happy belated, uh, killdozer day. Um, the day that will live in infamy, particularly for us, uh, Colorado libertarians and, um, anyways um yeah interesting times i i would encourage you guys to tune into the to at least part of those um that january 6th commission and um yeah i'm i'm very intrigued to see what they dug up and uh and how and what and how it pertains to anything and if there actually was a coup attempt like what, what was, and if there was like, what were the plans behind it? Like, did it make sense or is this shit that's just being thrown at the wall? And is it actually what I suspect to be basically a witch hunt? I don't know, but I want to hear it all. I want to see it all and I'll, I'll make a decision for myself and you guys know, I'll let you know what I think. So anyways, um, hope you all have a wonderful week. Um, yeah, summer is on us. We got we're gonna be busy. Um make sure if you're in the Ken uh Garden City, Kansas area, um what day is that? Uh June seventeenth, uh we'll be at Hidden Trail Brewery, eight PM Central. Uh be myself, uh Chauncey Westner and Eric Shields will be doing a little uh storytelling and, and comedy show. Dirty jokes and cowboy stories, folks. It's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've got some. Uh, I got some good bits lined up. We got some. Uh, gonna play a couple games. You know. Um, yeah, I think you think you're gonna like it. Um, so if you're in town, I don't think there's a cover charge. I don't know for sure. Um, but we'll be at Hidden Trail Brewery there in Garden City, Kansas, 8 p.m. Central. Come out. Uh, have some fun with us and um, yeah, have a good rest of your week. Uh, stay hydrated and uh, move your ass. We're burning daylight. You rise up in the morning beneath the stars so bright. Snuffy, cold chill up your spine. You'll get your ass moving somewhere, burning daylight.
see the horizon, it's looking pretty bright. We'll get your ass moving, sun, we're burning daylight. Tell the job's done right